You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football Network, currently sponsored by our good friends over at Pro Prep. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simiu, and on this edition of the show, we're going to be rating Mikel Arteta's Arsenal tenure so far. Now, why are we doing this now? Because it's almost two years to the day that Mikel Arteta took over the reins at Emirates Stadium. In fact, it was earlier this week that he reached that milestone. And so we feel now is a good time to take stock of where Arsenal are at under the Spaniard. We're going to be discussing a variety of different elements. We're going to be trying to give him a rating out of 10. Um, I'd love to hear from you guys as well in the live chat. Throw your ratings in there. There is a poll pinned in the live YouTube chat as well uh, with regards to this. So get voting on that as well. And we'll revisit the results a little bit later on into the show. Uh, a big hello to those of you joining us live right now. And a big hello to those of you who will be watching or listening to this back a little bit later on. Let me just get some housekeeping out of the way before we go further. If you haven't hit the like button and you're watching us via YouTube, make sure you do it. If you haven't subscribed to the channel, please, please do. And while I remember to let you guys know, there will be a watch along this evening of Arsenal's Carabao Cup quarterfinal versus Sunderland. So get involved in that as well. We'll be uh, setting up the broadcast a little bit later on. So make sure your notifications are turned on and come and join me uh, for the game a little bit later on. We did one for the Leeds game. It was very uh, well received. I really enjoyed doing it. So uh, why not do one for tonight as well? So get involved in that. Also, before I forget, if you're watching this live, great. If you're watching it later, it might be too late for you. But as soon as I finish up here, I'm on my way down to TalkSport Towers and I will be live on the TalkSport 2 show between 4 and 6 p.m. with Adi Oladipo. We'll be chatting Premier League. I'm sure there'll be a fair bit of Arsenal chat in there as well. So uh, tune in to TalkSport 2 from 4 p.m. UK time right up until 6 I'll be in the hot seat alongside Adi Oladipo. So looking forward to that as well. Right. Uh, let's do it. Let's uh, let's discuss Mikel Arteta's tenure so far. And look, I think the fact that opinion remains so divided on Mikel Arteta means that rating his tenure so far out of 10 is not an easy task. There will be people who will be right at one end of the spectrum who will probably say he's, you know, in the eights, eight out of 10, that kind of area. And there'll be other people who would say, no, actually, well, this is below a five. You know, there's people who have really bought into what he's doing and there's people who haven't. And there's people who have uh, a lot of valid opinions as to why they're unhappy, but there's equally a lot of people with valid opinions as to why he hasn't necessarily done a bad job. Now, you guys know that my stance on Mikel Arteta, and we'll get this out of the way nice and early, is that I don't think he should be sacked. I think he should be given this season to, to show what he can do. I think that he's faced a number of challenges since taking over the club, which could only be resolved with clever, strong management um, and time ultimately, because of the situation he's found himself in. So let's start from the very, very beginning of Mikel Arteta's tenure. We'll work our way through his Arsenal career to date 
and then I'll give you guys my rating and I want to hear from you guys your ratings in the chat. Now, don't just throw a number at me. Put some context around it. I would love to hear uh, some thoughts on why you've given the rating that you've given. I think that's really, really important to back up the argument. So let's begin uh, while you guys do that. And let's start with what Mikel Arteta inherited. Now, I think he inherited an absolute shit show. He inherited a group of players that were not at the level required, uh, a group of players who seemingly had lost interest, had lost faith in the previous manager, Unai Emery. A lot of players who I think were poor signings, players that we'd brought in uh, based off the evidence or no, not evidence, based on the guidance of people that were no longer at the club anymore. Um, you know, the likes of Nicolas Pepe, Socrates, Lucas Torreira, all players that had come in uh, at the beginning of Unai Emery's tenure and, and weren't necessarily fit for purpose. Now, I don't even blame Unai Emery solely for that, because, of course, we all know that he had his hands tied his back uh, tied behind his back in a lot of regards when it came to transfers. So this is not let's stick the boot in on Unai Emery. This is let's understand. Oops, Sky News notification. Let's uh, let's understand what exactly Mikel Arteta inherited. So was it all bad? No. You know, people like Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang were performing at a much higher level then, for example, than he is now. Alexander Lacazette, accomplished forward player, um, you know, you, you you take it on and there were some decent players scattered in and around the squad. But ultimately, I think for the most part, he inherited a mess. He inherited a mess, not just in terms of the quality of the players in the, in the squad, but a financial mess. It's a, t it's a club that had gone and spent big money on players that just weren't good enough, just weren't up to it. He'd, he had players in his squad that clearly weren't happy, clearly weren't uh, convinced that their future laid at Arsenal and clearly weren't committed to the cause. We were on huge astronomical contracts. You think of Mesut Ozil being one of them, and that was a big, big problem. So what Mikel had to do very quickly was come in and I think patch things up to, to get Arsenal or to try and get Arsenal to finish in a respectable league position. And of course, in that first season, first half season, he had the FA Cup. He went... Um, he went on to face Manchester City, his former club in the semi-final, which not many of us felt was a game we'd, we'd win. Uh, I thought he got it tactically spot on. And, and I don't know if he got it that right. I don't know if it was that good for Mikel Arteta tactically or if it was just something so different to what we'd seen in recent years where we went, we've actually set up with a defensive shape here and we actually don't look like conceding goals. And I think that was the big, big difference. It wasn't necessarily Mikel Arteta drawing up this master plan that said, Manchester City, I know you inside out and I'm going to do everything I can to stop you breaking through. I think we gave him a little bit too much credit at that time. What he did was set up a defensive shape. He sacrificed other elements of our game and relied on the quality that we had in the forward areas to when opportunities came along to take them and, and you know, defend well enough and make sure that we got over the line. And we did that brilliantly. And the same can be said again for the final. I thought we were brilliant in the final. Again, same setup, same system, very pragmatic, very defensive, very cautious. But we had the quality in the attacking areas. And at that point in time, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang was in incredible form. Uh, and that played a massive part. You know, you could probably go as far as saying he single-handedly won us that FA Cup. So Mikel Arteta got a lot of credit for all of that. And it was a lot of credit in the bank for the Spaniard. And I believe, and I've said this on numerous occasions, that winning that FA Cup, although it was good in the sense of it brought him some credit 
to kind of store in the bank for when the difficult moments came along, it actually raised the expectation level, in my opinion, unfairly and too soon. And I think even at that point where we just lifted a trophy and everybody was feeling really good about the situation and really good about the direction of travel, we weren't anywhere near where we needed to be. And we had a ton of work to be doing. So we got the FA Cup win, papered over the cracks cracks in a lot of ways, I thought. But it was something to be positive about. I mean, as a manager, as a brand new manager like Mikel Arteta was, going into a club and winning the FA Cup a few months after taking over. He took over in December. I think the FA Cup final was delayed till July, wasn't it, because of the, the pandemic. But to win a trophy, a major trophy in such a short space of time was obviously great for Mikel Arteta. Is he guilty of maybe getting carried away? Did he feel like he had a better side than he actually did because of that victory. Well, you could argue that maybe he did get a bit carried away. And that is what happens when you're not an experienced manager. I think an experienced manager probably understands a little bit better about where his team is at and understands that results and, you know, immediate kind of, uh, what's the word, you know, accolades are not always a true reflection of, of where the team is at. Sometimes you can get a bit fortunate. Sometimes everything can click on certain days and that expectation level raises and maybe it shouldn't go up that high. I, I really do think that. So I think that Mikel Arteta perhaps is as guilty as some of the fans for thinking that this team were better than they actually were. This whole Mikel Arteta FA Cup win, I think, was a massive um, was a massive part in the decision to give Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang a huge contract. And I think, look, if we're being completely honest, and, and we've got to be honest here, look, lots of us in hindsight have said maybe giving him 350k a week was a mistake. And lots of us have looked at what's unfolded in the last few weeks and said it was definitely a bloody mistake. But at the end of the day, I don't think there was an Arsenal fan out there at the time that could have foreseen what was going to happen with Aubameyang, a drop-off in form and then these disciplinary issues. So I think for me, Arsenal were not wrong at that time to give him that contract, just like they weren't wrong to give Mesa Ozil a big contract at a time we were losing Alexis Sanchez. Because can you imagine the meltdown and the reaction to taking that decision at that point? So I think Arsenal did the right thing at the time, but the FA Cup thing certainly increased the need to keep hold of Aubameyang in everybody's eyes because you looked at him as being a game changer, as being someone who is so impactful and so important to the team that we couldn't afford to lose him. It would be like taking three, four, five steps even back from where we'd got to. So I understand why we gave him that deal. But as I say, the FA Cup win, I think in a lot of ways, although when we were going for a really bad period last season, People were using the FA Cup victory as something to kind of defend Mikel Arteta with, and it benefited him in that sense. I don't actually think when you look at the bigger picture, the FA Cup win was a good thing for him. I think it was obviously, aside from the obvious benefits of winning a trophy, you get a medal, you have that on your CV. I think it made people's expectation levels of what Arsenal actually were at that point rock it up and, and prematurely, in my opinion. We finished eighth that season. I didn't really read into it that season because he'd only taken over just before Christmas. Didn't have a lot of time. I spoke about it before. I didn't really feel that we got that new manager bounce with Mikel Arteta. And I think that was largely due to the fact that it seemed to take an age to appoint him. Um, Freddie Lundberg took charge for a little bit. That, for me, didn't really work. And, 
you know, we didn't have the right staff in place to support him. And that was a kind of a continuation of what had been happening before. So I don't think we got the manager bounce as a result of that. But then we move on to the second season, which was Mikel Arteta's first full season in charge. And again, you know, it's not an excuse, but you'd be foolish, in my opinion, to completely overlook the, the circumstances around that season. You know, very little preparation due to the pandemic and the quick turnaround in the seasons. Um, the club's hands were tied, I think, to a degree based on the financial implications of the pandemic. I think that Mikel Arteta, as an inexperienced manager, wouldn't have really been in a place where he had to kind of, you know, steer an entire preseason as it was. So to never have to not have one at all, pretty much, would have posed even more challenges. I think that we desperately tried to move on a lot of players and we couldn't do that. And I think even the following summer, last summer, we tried to move on players and still didn't have any joy. So I'm always mindful of, of what the kind of restrictions have been for Mikel Arteta, what the problems have been, what the issues have been for him with regards to trying to rebuild this team. And I think that that season, last season, was largely poor. We went on that really, really poor run Um you know, in the lead up to Christmas, which really damaged us and led to it being almost impossible to get back into the European positions. We still maintained hope for a long time, but we, you know, it felt like it was always going to be an almighty task. And I guess the thing that people were holding on to at that point was, well, defensively, we look a bit more solid. We're not creating much, but defensively, we look a bit better. Um, we look like we have a bit more structure, a bit more shape. And with the Europa League, having already proven Mikel Arteta that he's a bit of a cup manager, um, you know, felt like a, a get-out-of-jail-free card. And I was very kind of reluctant to say, no, this season is a complete and utter failure until we saw what happened in the Europa League. Because as I, as I keep talking about, you win the Europa League, you're back in the Champions League. And you can finish eighth in the league and it doesn't bloody matter because you're back in the Champions League promised land. And unfortunately for Arsenal... Despite looking like we could go all the way, we fell short against Unai Emery's Villarreal in the semi-final. And for me, that was a real test of my patience with Mikel Arteta because I felt like in that game, he got a lot of things wrong. I thought he made some really silly decisions. The decision to go away from home in the first leg and play without a striker was strange. Um, the decision to try and plug the left-back position when Kieran Tierney was absent with Granit Xhaka and therefore weaken our midfield at the same time as playing a player completely out of position, I thought was strange. And I thought we really suffered from that. We had chances in that home game against Villarreal, but we didn't take them and we ended up crashing out. And as I say, that for me was a period where I really questioned whether we should continue with this manager. But after the kind of dust had settled a little bit and I was trying to be a bit calmer and a bit more sensible about it, the thing that kept coming back into my mind was, OK, this is not good. This is not ideal. But he's not even completed a full season in charge yet. He's not got a lot of the players that you think he'd want to stick with and build around moving forward. Um, so I, I gave him the benefit of the doubt. And I said that this season that we're in currently would be the one whereby we could judge Mikel Arteta. And I think as time's gone on, when you saw the way the club backed him in the summer in the transfer window, I think you get to a place where you go, OK, it's, it's kind of now or never. And when I say now or never, I don't mean you need to finish in the Champions League positions or you need to challenge for the Premier League or you need to win 
a trophy. Otherwise, you're sacked. I mean, it's now or never in terms of showing us real and clear progress. We really, really need that as a fan base to keep invested and bought in to this project. I think when you think about some of the transfer business that we've done under Mikel Arteta, there's been some good signings, some really good signings. You know, Gabriel, Tomiyasu, White, Lokonga, Partey is a signing that we all wanted. Um, We'll get into that debate another day around whether that's worked out or not. But he's someone that all of us would have loved to have had at the club. And I remember the hype and excitement around him arriving. So you can't blame him for making that transfer. But also outside of just bringing new players in, Arsenal have done a very good job, I think, of tying down the likes of Emil Smith-Rowe, Bukayo Saka, Kieran Tierney, Gabriel Martinelli, following Balogun, all of whom we have really high hopes for moving forward. Have we made some bad signings? Yeah. We have under Mikel Arteta and Edu. And I think right at the start of the um, of the kind of Arteta tenure, I felt like we were trying to plug holes with some of the players we were bringing in. Cedric, uh, Marie, Willian didn't work out. Renarsson was a shocking signing. And so, you know, you have to say that there have been some bad ones as well. But I guess every manager makes signings that don't work out as you'd have hoped. Sir Alex Ferguson made signings that never worked out as he would have hoped. Cleberson, uh, you know, people like that. Um, you know, who was that striker that they bought who couldn't score for Toffee in the Premier League and went to Spain and was uh, Diego Forlan. That's it. You know, there was a lot of strikers, a lot of players, a lot of, you know, throughout the years, even through the Wenger years, when he was right at the peak, there was players that came in and just didn't really hit the ground running. So you will get that. You will get that. It's part and parcel of football. You'll make signings that don't always, uh, you know, prove to be good ones. That's why I always talk about the risk that's involved in the transfer market. So I think when you take into consideration what he was allowed to do this summer in terms of bringing players in, the fact that he's been backed in terms of moving people out who, even though we're on big contracts, we couldn't sell. And the club obviously taking that decision to say, we'll terminate those contracts, we'll buy those contracts out was a big showing of faith in Mikel Arteta. And I think when you consider all of that, plus the money we spent, which is being mentioned quite a bit, you have to you have to say that this is a crucial season for him. And it's a crucial season in terms of he needs to show Arsenal fans and the club that there is enough progress being made on the pitch to warrant him being supported for another season. And for me right now, he's not done anything that is so good and so outstanding that he's automatically got a two, three seasons credit in the bank. He's at a place where it's on a rolling thing, right? He has to prove season after season after season, and it has to be a very fluid situation. And you have to keep judging it at those points. He's still in a place where I can't tell you 100% now that I want him to be the manager next season. I want to see what happens and what unfolds this season. And so, as I've spoken about before, Arsenal need to be mindful of that. Arsenal need to be mindful of the fact that this might not work. If it doesn't work and he is sacked, it doesn't mean that everything he's done is bad. As I say, I think he's done very well in weeding out uh, some of the dead wood. I think he's been very strong in dealing with some characters that were problematic. And I back him on that and I support him on that. I think when you look at the majority of the recruitment, which was done this summer, uh, you know, between him and Edu, you have to say that that's been positive based on what we've seen so far. I think tactically, he can still be a little bit naive. I think tactically, we've still got some work to do. I think we've 
maybe finally turned a bit of a page in terms of our attacking prowess, which is something that's been missing for large periods under Mikel Arteta. So I think we're in this place now where there's kind of signs of the progress. And I think you've got to stick with it till the end of the season. But not enough just yet for you to say 100% categorically that Mikel Arteta should be the Arsenal manager next season. I think that's fair. And that's coming from someone who's been very kind of frustrated by a lot of the criticism that he's faced. He's been frustrated by a lot of the negativity around the club. But even I recognise that this is a guy who still has a lot to prove. And if he can continue in this vein this season, if he can finish in the top six, challenge for the top four, and continue for, to show that he's able to develop these young players who are undoubtedly going to play a huge role in Arsenal Football Club's future, then I think you probably have to give him the benefit of the doubt. So it's a rebuild job, as is mentioned by Nishith. And I don't think a lot of managers in world football would have taken on such a big rebuild job. Not those at the very top anyway. There's very few that would have done it without sort of other guarantees. Other guarantees that I don't think Arsenal as a football club have always been ready to offer. So I think for me, we're in a place now where this season is decisive and we started it very poorly. Again, there were circumstances around that that you have to take into consideration. COVID cases, injuries that contributed to that. You also have to take into consideration that we played against City and Chelsea right at the start. OK, we lost at Brentford as well. Um, not ideal. But I think since then, what we've seen has been largely positive. You know, we did lose against Liverpool, disappointingly. We did lose at Old Trafford. We did lose at Everton. But either side of that little kind of dip, we've been pretty good and pretty convincing, I would say, in a lot of ways. We look to have a, a better defensive structure. We've finally got ourselves a really good goalkeeper and two good centre-halves in front of him. We've sorted out the right-back position, which was hugely problematic for Arsenal last season. And we've brought him back up in the left-back position. Again, a position that caused us problems when Kieran Tierney was unavailable. You move into the midfield, and I still think that's an area that we could have done better in. I've said that time and time again. I felt like we that was the one trick that we missed in the summer, was not adding to that midfield. We didn't do it. We are where we are. Martin Odegaard has, has shown himself to be a good signing. Saka's gotten better. Smith Rowe's gotten better. Lacazette is now doing a really good job of leading the line. Gabriel Martinelli looks a much more complete player, a mature player. So I think we are moving in the right way. But it's... It's... Uh, look, I understand why there are people out there that are not convinced by it. But I also think that we've just become so short-termist in football that we can't always see the bigger picture. And sometimes you need to understand that things take time. You know, things take time. And I think we're starting to see some of the ideas and the, the philosophies, if you like, of Mikel Arteta coming through. We're seeing a different characteristic in the team in terms of the work rate that wasn't there prior to his arrival. It was all very kind of lackadaisical. And when it was going well, it was going great. And we were playing free-flowing, attacking football. But we always had a soft centre, a soft underbelly. And I don't think you can say that about Arsenal as much anymore anyway. Um, O'Malley says we added Sambi when I was talking about the midfield as well. Yeah, we did. But we added Sambi Lokonga with a view to him being part of the future. I don't think we added him with the view to playing him every week. It, you know, he only played because Xhaka was out. You'll see now that it is Xhaka and Partey that Mikel sees as the first choice midfield. So I think for me, um, you know, we're in a place where 
as I say, this season will tell us a lot. And at the end of this season, we can probably make a definitive judgment as to whether or not Mikel Arteta deserves another crack at it. I think overall he's done a, a decent job. It's not an outstanding job and it's not a bad job. And I think that that's the fairest way of assessing that. That's my opinion. I want to hear from you guys as well. Chuck me some numbers in the chat. Chuck me some reasoning behind that as well. Um, Miss Shane in the chat says, Harry, it's an insult to suggest we are short side and things take time. How long has it been, mate? Yeah, but Miss Shane, you can't blame Mikel Arteta for crap that went on at Arsenal prior to his arrival. You can't blame Mikel Arteta for having a £72 million winger sitting on the bench that hasn't been good enough. You can't blame Mikel Arteta for the fact that we probably overpaid for William Saliba at the point in his career he was at. You can't blame Mikel Arteta for wanting to change the culture in the club. When we as fans for years sat here and said, we need someone to come in and be ruthless. We need someone to come in and not take any shit. You can't keep blaming him for things that happened in the past. And I think the club was in a real shit heap prior to his arrival. This is only... Mikel Arteta's second full season in charge, okay? Having said that, because of some of the concerns over the course of his tenure so far, I feel it's a decisive season. But, you know, I, I can't say, you can't say we've given this enough time. At the end of his second full season, then you can probably draw a, a line under it and say, well, Still probably needed a bit more time, maybe, if you want to look at it that way. But ultimately, we should have seen at least enough during that period. I don't think you can say that after one full season in charge, you know, that we've given it enough time. You might have given Arsenal enough time. But again, you cannot hold people accountable for something they weren't involved in, weren't even around to deal with. Let's see... Um, what else we've got? Let's take this one from Fala, who says, Harry, help me understand why you can see why Mikel Arteta can't be the Arsenal manager to take us where we want to be. And on the other hand, say we have a short-term view and we can't see the bigger picture. I'm not saying he can't be the manager that takes us to the next level. I'm saying that there's a possibility he isn't. There's, that's, that's a different thing. I'm not saying categorically, definitively, that Mikel Arteta is the man that will take Arsenal to the next stage. And I need to see more before I can say that. I need to see how this season unfolds. But what I'm saying is, even if he's not, then it doesn't mean that everything he's done is bad. It doesn't mean that he's not done some good work. You know, that's the point I'm trying to make here. And if we get to a point where we're seeing it's not working and you pull the trigger on him, then fine. Um, but, you know, it, it is it is what it is. Um, Hank says, uh, you wanted him sacked three weeks ago, Harry. No, I didn't. I didn't want Mikel Arteta sacked three weeks ago. I, I titled the podcast after the Everton defeat. Serious questions need to be asked or something along those lines. Yeah, you can ask questions. You can be critical of a performance. And I literally said these words during that podcast. I say, I said, you can criticize a performance in isolation and a manager's performance in isolation without it necessarily meaning that you want to pull the trigger on them or that everything they've done in the last few months goes completely by the wayside and is forgotten about. I literally said that. I always said that I wanted to give Mikel Arteta up until Christmas. I'd look at it again then. 
but I felt that he needed to get towards the, to the end of the season before we could make a definitive judgment. And you people in the chat, not all of you, but some of you told me I was crazy for giving him that time. I was crazy for wanting to let him see how this plays out until the end of the campaign. And, and, and that's where I still am at. I've been very, very consistent about that. You know, we, we will see at the end of the season whether Mikel Arteta deserves another crack at it, deserves another season in charge of the Arsenal and deserves the backing of the football club. Time will tell. But up until now, if you want to press me on a rating, because I said I was going to do that, I'm going to give Mikel Arteta a rating of 6.75 out of 10. <laughs> very specific, very specific. Um and the reason I am very specific is because I'm in between giving him a six and a half and a seven. I don't think you can give him any more than a seven. I think that's too much. I really do. Even for someone who's been so positive about him, I don't think you can give him more than that. Equally, I think giving him anything less, given the circumstances he was um, he was faced with and has inherited, I think that anything below is harsh. So 6.75 out of 10 for me um, on Mikel Arteta. Uh, Fala also says, Harry, if it took you less than 18 months to see Emery isn't good enough, why does Mikel need more than two years to give you a definitive answer? Well, because there was no plan under Unai Emery, Fala. There was no plan whatsoever. Whether you like Mikel Arteta or not, whether you think he's crap or not, okay, you can't deny that there is a plan at the moment. There's a There's been a plan to recruit players of a specific age group, players of a, a specific character, and players who have who brings something to the table that was missing in terms of character, in terms of uh, personality, in terms of desire, in terms of hunger. And the plan has been to blood through a younger team and remove a lot of the players that have been stinking out the place for a number of years. And the plan is clear for everybody to see. You can see it in the recruitment. Under Unai Emery, at the beginning, you had Sven Mislintat signing players that Unai Emery didn't even want. You had uh, Ivan Gazidis involved that, you know, at various points. You had uh, Raul Sanlehi involved in signing players that the club could have done without. So the point I'm trying to make is that during Unai Emery's time, we weren't actually going anywhere. Unai Emery was a good, is a good manager, clearly based on his European record, and managed to kind of mishmash everything together in that first season to get us into fifth place and get us into the Europa League final. But after that, it all began to unravel because it was never sustainable. There was never a plan. There was never a clear line of progress. There was never a trajectory on which Arsenal were on. It was, I've got some experienced, good quality players. I'll mishmash them together. I'll do what I can. But I could never see from Unai Emery. And again, it's not even just his fault. I could never see from the club at that point what the direction was. And now that I can see a direction and now that I can see a plan, I'm a lot more patient, naturally, because I understand that, and I know people hate this word, but it is a process. You can't buy into a process if you can't see it. And I couldn't see it under Unai Emery. As I say, there were players that were coming in. Stefan Licksteiner, was that ever a signing for the long term? Was that ever a signing that made you feel like the club were moving in the right direction? No, it was like putting a Band-Aid over a cup. Was Socrates ever a long-term solution? Absolutely not. Lucas Torreira was brought into the club and he doesn't want to even be in England. He was the complete opposite to what Unai Emery wanted in terms of a central midfielder. So the point I'm trying to make here is that Unai Emery's Arsenal was, it was an Arsenal that was 
being patched up and pushed together to try and get us back in the Champions League immediately. They hoped that with Arsene Wenger gone, they could bring in a manager with a good pedigree who would get us straight back into the Champions League, bring all the financial rewards with that, and then hopefully build on from that. Unai Emery was only ever a short-term appointment. But what's happened since Unai Emery is that the club, and rightly so, probably five, six years too late, have recognised that a full rebuild, full renovation from top to bottom was necessary. And that's what we're seeing now. And that's why I've got more patience with it, because I can at the very least see what the plan is. Uh, let's take this one from Graham. He says, all the signs are there that there is a plan and that we are getting better. What's not to like about that? Completely agree. Uh, Keith Kim says, I like Arteta. It's very annoying reading all the negatives about him. He's came into a club with too many underperforming, overpaid players. And as far as I can see, he's changing that. Uh, let's see uh, what else we've got. Uh, GB says, when Edu was recruiting Kia clients, Luis, Willian and Cedric, how did they fit into said plan? Well, David Luiz wasn't a bad signing for Arsenal. You know, I thought last season... Um, he was probably our best centre-back over the course of the entire season. Did he make mistakes? Yeah, David Luiz does. But I thought that he was probably our best centre-back over the course of the entire campaign. The, uh, the Willian signing was a mistake. They thought he could add something. He didn't. And he was moved on very, very quickly. As I keep saying, mistakes will happen in transfers. If you rectify them quickly, then you know that's that's all you can really do. And I think that was the case with Willian. Cedric is a backup fullback. Um, he doesn't even play. They obviously didn't think he was the solution because they went and bought another right back this summer. So, um, yeah. Let's see. Um, Falasana says, Harry, the difference between your opinion and mine is that if Mikel had finished 10th last season, you would have kept Arteta and I would have sacked him. I don't know that I would have kept him if we finished 10th. Um, Christoph says, uh, not all things are binary. It is possible for more than one thing to be true at one time. If we remove the emotional reactivity, we can see things less reactively. Fans causing their own suffering. Agreed, mate. Um, Bulgarian Guna says, agreed. Gazidis brought in two completely different entities in Mislinta and Sanlehi and then jumped ship. Not a good plan. Agreed. Uh, Bruce Banana says, Arteta is not only improving the culture at the club, but he's coaching the young players very well. Look at Emil Smith-Rowe, Saka and Martinelli. Adam says, I think we should just judge at the end of the season. Yeah, look, the, the final judgment um, will come at the end of the season. There's no question about that. But ultimately, um, you know, we, we're at a place now two years in where I think it's a fair point to stop, pause and take stock. But of course, I think the definitive judgment and definitive uh, assessment comes at the end of the, the season. I really, really do. Uh, let's see what we've got. Um, GB, going back to his comment previously, I wasn't talking about quality of signings, but rather the fit as regards to the plan, a particular mentality and age profile to be specific. Mikel Arteta has never made a secret that, of the fact that, in his opinion, to blood through a young team, and bring these players to a point where they're able to compete. Um, you need to complement them with experienced players. You don't win everything or anything with just kids. That's That's been proven for years and years and years in football. So I think that he's looking at adding players of a certain 
you know, of a certain profile for the future, but trying to complement them by putting experienced heads around him. And he talks so much about the senior players being important. And and I think with Xhaka and Partey in midfield, that's your senior pair there. You know, Aubameyang was one of those senior players, Lacazette, one of those senior players. And I think Mikel Arteta would always want to have two or well, definitely three of them probably in the side, um, you know, to week in, week out. I think you've seen that in his team selection. Why do you think he's not playing Lekonga at the moment? Lekonga hasn't done anything wrong, but he sees Xhaka as a senior player and probably feels that if he's going to play Martinelli on the flank, having Xhaka in the midfield with that bit more experience and bit more kind of defensive understanding um, gives him that platform to be able to say to some of those young players, go and be free. It gives Martin Odegaard more uh, as well. Look at Martin Odegaard um, in recent weeks. So I think what he's done is he's he's recognised that he can't get to where he needs to get to with just 11 kids or 11 young players still finding their way. He needs to find that balance. And I think at this moment in time, he's doing a good job of striking that balance. I really, really do. Um, Muneeb says, hi, Harry, completely agree with you. Not all signings work, but this matter happens too frequently at Arsenal, meaning we're not signing players to suit a system, i.e. Arteta didn't have one. I think that the signings that we've mentioned, you know, Willian on a free transfer, Renarsson for peanuts, um, Cedric, free transfer, Pablo Marie for a nominal fee of around about £8 million. I think when you think about those, those signings that we would say have probably been the bad ones, there's not been a lot of money blown. You know, they've been, um, they've been signings with, with low risk. Unfortunately, we haven't had high reward, but the, the risk has been low for the most part. Okay, we've given some over-the-top contracts. I think Cedric getting four years was mad. I wouldn't have given him that long. Willian got a really big uh, and substantial kind of um, pay packet as well. But ultimately, we haven't shelled out fortunes and fortunes and fortunes on these players. So, you know, for me, they were brought in to try and do very specific roles in terms of plug holes at certain points. It's not worked out. Um but when you look at the signings, we have made the big money signings under Mikel Arteta. Ben White looks a good signing. Gabriel looks a good signing. Tommy Asu, nearly £20 million, looks a good signing. Aaron Ramsdale, that a signing that people laughed at at £25 million, looks a good signing. Lakonga looks a good signing. We've tied down a ton of players to new contracts. ESR, Saka, Tierney, Martinelli, Balogun, just to name a few. I think for the most part, it's been right. You know, there are anomalies in there. There are mistakes in there. As I say, all clubs will have that. But I think for the most part, we've done a good job. Right. Get your ratings in the chat box and uh, pop your reasoning at the bottom. So what would you rate Mikel Arteta's Arsenal tenure to date out of 10? I'll just bring you a quick message from our sponsors, Pro Prep, and then I will come over to the chat box and pick up some of your comments. Uh, so attention, people, check out our sponsors, Pro Prep, it's the perfect study tool for university students undertaking science, technology, engineering, or maths related modules, and it can half your study time. Pro Prep provides bite sized videos relevant to the module or course, which can be accessed from any device at any time, and it's already helped over half a million students to pass their exams. They provide customized STEM study tools that match your syllabus. Long lectures are condensed into short and clear video tutorials, and after the videos, you can go through what you've just learned with interactive exercises 
and practice questions so you'll be ready. Uh, you can even submit questions to the pro prep professors and receive a video answer back within 24 hours. Now, the guys over at Pro Prep, uh, who are very kindly sponsoring the Chronicles uh, of Aguna podcast, have put together a special offer just for our listeners. As a listener of the Chronicles of Aguna, you can head over to proprep.uk slash info slash football, and you can sign up for a free 30-day trial without inputting any credit card information. Um, Check it out. If you know anyone that's studying, if you know anyone that might benefit from uh, the brilliant product that is Pro Prep. Send them over the link, and if you're supporting Pro Prep, you're supporting the Chronicles of Aguna. Right, let's take uh, some of your ratings from the live chat to wrap up. Uh, Victor says it's a solid eight. Adam Malik's gone with a six. Um, Victor also adds with the eight that the cleansing bit was always going to be tough, and I agree with that. Uh, Thibaut Pesk says uh, Arteta seven. If he gets us into the top four, that'll become a nine. Bruce Banana says 6.37 out of 10. Very specific, just like mine. Uh, Pat Moyle says he'll give him a seven. Um, Falasana says, after, after Harry's defence for Mikel, I changed my rating from three to four. Don't be too generous, man. Uh, Adam says six. Uh, Steve Stone's gone with uh, eighth. Um, he said, no, sorry. He says eighth is a low. The FA Cup was a high roller coaster in my mind um so far uh guna vettel says a six he's done a good job in rebuilding the squad i'm very happy with the players we have compared to when emery was here my rating is closer to seven than five because our performances are uh, are improving essential departure says seven out of ten so far he's brought the team to a higher level and his standards and ruthlessness will take us to another level the process is evident graham's gone with a six um plamen's gone with an eight plus Simi's gone with a uh, six with a top six finish and seven uh, top four. Sorry, hold on. He'll give him a sixth if we a six rating if we finish in the top six. And if we get in the top four, it will be an eight. I think I've read that right. Uh, Benjamin's gone with a seven. He's gotten rid of most of the bad apples and has handled the Abaliang situation well. Uh, GB says six and a half out of ten highs shaped by tremendous hope over potential of the team and manager lows reaching level of despair over worry we are overestimating potential and frustration over attacking woes lots and lots of ratings coming in i'm not going to go through all of them because there's so many but thank you uh for putting them in the chat and um if you're watching this later on leave your rating in the comment section below hit the like button if you haven't done so already subscribe to the channel if you're new we've got over a couple of hundred of you watching we've only got 56 likes on the board so hit that like button let's try and get as close to 100 by the time the outro plays just to finish up with that live poll that we put in the youtube chat this afternoon on which 200 of you have voted so far uh between rating him between zero and four 17 Rating him between five and seven, 64 percent and eight plus is 19 percent. So the overall majority feel that Mikel Arteta's managerial rating based on the two years he's been in charge of Arsenal so far is something between five and seven out of ten. That's what the people say. The people have spoken. Right, we're going to leave it there and I'll be back uh, very, very soon with some more. We'll be bringing you the live watch along of Arsenal 
versus Sunderland in the Carabao Cup quarterfinal. Looking forward to joining you guys for that one. As I say, if you're watching this live now or you're listening to it within the next couple of hours, uh, you can catch me on TalkSport 2 between 4 and 6 p.m. alongside Adi Oladipo. Looking forward to it. Catch you all very soon. Ciao. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.